What's up, everybody? This is Brian from Positivity Unleashed Podcast, LLC, and you're listening to the Positivity Unleashed Podcast, the show that is aimed to deliver inspiring and thought-provoking discussions that will leave you all feeling uplifted and empowered. With me is my co-host, one of my best friends, the yin to my yang, a legend in the San Fran area, Clark. What's going on, brother? What's up, Brian? Excited to do this with you today. Awesome, man. Super excited. Now, with that being said, this is the first episode ever, and uh, we are very excited to jumpstart this podcast with some discussions that we hope will move your day in a positive way. Um, One of the things that I I really want to kind of start this podcast off with is how to start your day right. I think that's such an important discussion to have, an important thing to think about, because what do you do every morning? You get up and you start your day doing something, right? And what are some ways that we can really jumpstart that and make sure you're, you're moving in the right direction. Are you cool if we start with that, Clark? Yeah, let's begin. Um, I guess, yeah, you can, you can take it off maybe how you start your days and I'm happy to go into some of the stuff that I do in the morning. Awesome. Awesome. I would say, um, first and foremost, probably one of the most important things I could share with you all that has, that's helped me with my mornings, uh, is, is not going to my phone right away. Um, I think that is so important because it is so easy to just gravitate as soon as you wake up, let me check my phone, right? Let me check what things on social media have, have come to me, uh, who texted me, who called me, uh, you know, what, what's going on with my work email. It's so easy to gravitate towards those things and when you, when you do that, it, it just takes away from that, that mindset. You go right into action and your brain's trying to catch up with just waking up and it's it's just not a very good way to kind of jumpstart your morning. So one of the things that I try to do when I wake up instead is, is jump right into instead of grabbing the phone is I sit up and I think about three things that I'm grateful for. Now, doesn't have to be you know different every day. It could be the same thing. It could be different, whatever you're kind of feeling in that moment. But just kind of come to yourself and say, hey, like, what are three things I'm really grateful for in this moment? I'm grateful for now, having life, I'm grateful for you know my dog. I'm grateful for my wife, my girlfriend, my fiance, my boyfriend. Whatever it is, right? Um, whatever you're feeling grateful for in that moment, just just list off three things, um, and I think that that will really help kind of kind of jumpstart your morning there. Um, I'll kind of throw it to you, Clark. If there's something you want to add in or something you want to share. Yeah, some something I'd like to note about that is. Uh, I mean, first I'll say I'm not perfect with this and sometimes I disappoint myself and I'm checking Instagram first thing in the morning. But one thing that I heard some time ago was that you are priming your brain for the rest of the day. So if you, if you wake up and the first thing you do is go to social media, you're priming your brain to be in sort of like a passive mode, which is consuming, right? Like consuming information. Whereas what you're doing is the first thing you do is almost an, it's an activity. You're doing something active, which is like, okay, I gotta, I want to think about three things that I'm grateful for. And, um, some other tricks you can do is like, just get out of bed. <laughs> and that's sometimes the hardest thing, right? Like one, one trick, one of my roommates does is he charges his phone in a whole nother room because even if he does allow himself to check his phone first thing in the morning, he still has to get out of bed to walk over to his phone to check it. And so it's just a good way to just at least get him out of bed, keep him from sleeping in and uh, starting his day off right. Interesting. 
I like that. I like that. I like that a lot, that that trick. I, I've heard that before, actually. I've heard someone does that. They, uh, I don't know if they put it in a different room, but they put it on like the opposite side of the room or something like that. So like, like you said, it forces them to get up, go, have to go get their phone or go get whatever it is or go get their bottle of water <laughs> and it makes them get up. Yeah, so I, I think that's, that's a really, really good input there. Um, and, and to your point, right, I think at the end of the day, as long as you're doing some sort of activity, I think that's the most important thing in the morning. And, and that's definitely one of the things I was going to bring up later as well as exercise, right? Um, which is another type of activity to your point, right? Um, one of the things I do every morning, Monday through Friday, is I get up at 6 a.m. and I go hit the gym every morning, right? And my wife calls me crazy, right? And maybe I am kind of crazy for getting up that early, but I know that if I wake up at 6 a.m., I go hit the gym. Um, I feel really good when I'm at the gym at that time, whereas like if I go try to go like after work, I kind of feel like a little bit more sluggish, a little bit more tired. So I have to feel like a little better energy in the morning, as well as it kind of wakes me up, gets my day going. And once I come home and I start getting to like work, I feel more awake and I'm ready to get at it. Totally agree. I mean, our bodies are designed to be moving. And so when you get your body moving in the morning, you're getting your brain moving and you're getting that the blood going to your brain and you'll just have a much better day. I mean, for me to, uh, what I've done in the, I've had a couple different morning strategies and I'll, I can maybe speak to like when I have the best days and when I have the worst days. And I would say there was a time in my life I was doing yoga twice a day. I was doing it once in the morning and once at night. And I felt great because in the morning I would do like an active yoga to like get my body moving. I would stretch myself out for the day. And then at nighttime I would do what's called a yin yoga, which is like very slow. And that also helps me get to sleep better. But all around it's, it's really interesting, like how loose my whole body was and how like how much energy it kind of gives you to do that. And it was, don't get me wrong, it's hard to maintain that. It, it is difficult to maintain doing yoga twice a day. You have to have like a strict, dedicated practice to doing it in the morning. But if you can do it, like similar to you, it just gets your minds ready to do things, do everything else in the day, so. Yeah, yeah. and I think to your original point, like priming kind of, right? Like you're priming your brain yeah. for the rest of the day and, and for that activity and to, to kind of jumpstart, get yourself going. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, something else on that that I'll say is something that I've thought about for some time is like, instead of, how do you explain it? Like, instead of like an activity, like I, I try to think of these things as a process, like something that uh, the Huberman Lab podcast talks about a lot is, I mean, a lot of people are speaking about this or ice baths. Mm -hmm. And basically the idea behind ice baths is that your body temperature goes through fluctuations throughout a 24-hour cycle, right? So when it's around afternoon, evening to nighttime, your body temperature actually peaks and starts moving downwards. And then during nighttime, like er about two hours before you wake up, it, uh, it peaks at a decrease and then starts going up. And so the idea behind this is that if you take an ice bath in the morning, what you're doing is you're actually, you're, you're setting your body up to start heating up because when you take the ice bath, it puts your body into a process. It puts your body into a motion of heating itself up. And so that's getting you more active for the day. So whenever I take a cold shower in the morning or an ice bath, it's like, it's like coffee. <laughs> it starts because <laughs> your body's, it's, it's like 
pushing your body into this path almost mm-hmm. of like, okay, I'm really cold. I need to heat up. And it's the process of heating up that gets you active, that gets you doing things. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take a really hot bath at nighttime, your body is now trying to cool itself down. And in that process, you are doing less. You want your body needs to do less. So, Right, yeah. right, which makes sense, right? Because when you move around, that is how you are be able to warm yourself like when it's cold, right? They say, like, keep moving around, keep moving, and that's how you stay warm. So that makes sense with, with the hot bath at night and how that could work. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's it's, it's a very interesting topic. And I think, you know, kind of these little things you can do in the morning to kind of jumpstart your day can, can really help a lot. Um, one thing I, I do want to kind of talk about next, and this is this is definitely an interesting topic that a lot of people, since this is the Positivity Unleashed podcast, right, um, we want to talk a lot about positivity. Um, but we also want to talk absolutely talk about negativity, right? And there's 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 a way to have negative thoughts, and there's there's the positive thoughts that you have. And it's interesting that to kind of think about the dynamic between the two. Um, I'm really interested to get your perspective on this, Clark, because you come from a background in neuroscience, uh, and that's what you study. So I'm very interested to learn, kind of pick your brain on how negative thoughts kind of impact how the brain kind of functions or works versus how a positive thought can do so. So I want to, I'll explain a little bit about how the brain works and makes decisions because this is for me like the crux of what a brain is. And it's a, uh, I have a good analogy for this one that uh, I'll cite my source here comes from David Eagleman's book incognito. Um, And he explains the brain as what like a team of rivals. But what I'll do is I, I like, I like, uh, I'll do my own example of this. So let's pretend that all of your neurons in your brain are people for a moment, right? And there's one person which we'll call you is holding a gun. Okay, you're holding you're holding a gun up to a target or something, and all these people surrounding you, the neurons are voting. They're casting votes. Yes or no. Should we pull the trigger? Okay. So all these neurons are making a little bit of a decision. And again, it's like a priming thing, right? So like they're all casting their vote to this person. We'll call it the prefrontal cortex is what actually makes the final decision. But you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like our electoral college system, right? Like, like, you can make all like the people can make all the votes they want, but at the end of the day, the electoral college, the person in charge, will say, you know what? Even though my constituents voted yes, I'm going to say no and not pull the trigger, so to speak. So that's kind of how the brain really works: is all these different pieces of information in your brain are contributing to this executive function, as we call it, to actually pull the trigger. So to bring this all back to the negative and positive thoughts. You have all these neurons in your brain, we'll say they're representing the no, right? They're saying, I'm voting no on this. The positive thoughts are saying yes. You, at the end of the day, your prefrontal cortex, that executive function, the guy actually holding the gun, ready to pull the trigger, and we'll say the pull trigger is a behavior that you're gonna make. You are going about your day with this voting system, and if you have a lot more negative thoughts that are voting negatively, then that's gonna affect your behaviors. It's gonna affect what you actually do throughout the day. And so this is not to say that you need to have all positive thoughts. 
while some people do argue that, I mean, like it is a good practice to try to diminish your negative thoughts and have more positive thoughts. Obviously, and this is a, the cliche answer because it's the right answer, is to be mindful, is to be mindful of what the negative thoughts are. Should I act on them? If you can at least catch yourself for a moment and say, look, that's a really negative thought. Should I act on this? You're already setting yourself up better to start having more positive thoughts because you're like, oh, wait a minute. That was super dark. You know, I need to think more positively about this situation. Um, yeah, I know that's a lot there. So if you have any uh, questions or thoughts on what I just said, happy to dive more, <laughs> dive more into that. But I think, yeah, mindfulness, mindfulness is the answer because you just need to remember you are the one that can make the decision at the end of the day whether to make a certain behavior. So just be conscious of what your negative thoughts are and that will guide you more towards having more positive thoughts because you're able to flip the coin. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's very interesting stuff. A lot of that, uh, you know, I, I some of it I kind of had uh, an idea about, but you definitely clarified a lot of it. I know one of the things um, that that I've learned throughout my my kind of research into this is that negative motion, uh, you know, our brain is very very old, right? It's been being, uh, you know, evolving and developed over many 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 years and because of that uh it's developed in a sense to survive a lot of times right like the way it's, it, it triggers or it's, it's developed programmed is, is to survive so i know negative emotions um can kind of give you a programmed action um such as like when you see danger right um you know in that sense you know you, you kind of limit your focus onto what is necessary in that moment um, which can be kind of seen as, as again, kind of a negative thought in a way, right? Because like your thought is, is you, do I fight or flight, right? The fight or flight kind of notion. Um, instead of, you know, let's say a positive thought can be something like, wow, that's a beautiful rock or that's a beautiful sunset. Instead of, do I run from this bear that's coming at me right now, right? So, right. So like, it's I know it's this kind of like program thing we have in our brain because of that. So because we have that program into us, we now use that in our day to day with everything that we do, because that's how our brain evolved. So now there are certain things that can happen in our day where we will focus on the negatives or get too deep into negatives, because our, our, our brain is doing a flight or flight action because of that. Yeah. And to further that point, you just made it's coming back to what I was saying about processes with the hot and cold. When your fight or flight gets triggered, it's not something you can just be like, okay, I'm not going to have this adrenaline rush anymore. It's setting your body and mind into a process that is flowing, it's moving, and the only way that you can change it is to turn it around. It's You can't say, okay, I'm going to not be stressed anymore. If we could do that, I, I wish I could do that. I would, be, <laughs> I would public... I would public speak all the time, <laughs> but what you have to do is you have to, you have to turn it back around. But you know, to your point, like it's pretty common knowledge now that we have a negativity bias because of what you were saying about the survival thing. Like our, our brains and bodies are meant for survival. And we are in this weird point in society where like, we just don't have the, those sort of threats around us mm -hmm. in, in American society, right. that is like living in San Francisco, California <laughs> or Florida, right? Like we don't, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe in Florida, you got more alligators yeah. actually need to, <laughs> need to use that. But, but we don't, the thing is we perceive 
not getting an email in time as a threat instead of like an alligator, right? And so by perceiving that the same way that we would perceive a threat like an alligator coming at us, we get the fight or flight response. We get stressed about these things. And so one, you know, actually another book that I read, listened to that's really interesting about this topic is called uh, Chatter by Ethan Cross. You want to look, if any of your listeners want to check that book out. That book is all about our inner voice, actually. So I think it's a great book on this topic of negative thoughts, positive thoughts. But kind of like the crux of his book about how to deal with the inner chatter in our minds and these negative thoughts is to zoom out. And one of the ways you can do that is to actually use your name. You say, Clark, you know what? This is not an alligator coming at me right now. It's just this email hasn't come in. It's okay. Everything's going to be all right. And that's one way you can steer those emotions around. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's a, that's a really, really uh, smart tactic. And I kind of like to dive a little deeper into that because I think I'm sure our listeners would really, really like to know how we can turn those negative emotions around. Because as we said, right, there's that bias, that kind of programming where like we, we, we tend to lean towards those negative thoughts because of our fight or flight and how our brain has been kind of evolved and developed, right? So I'd like to kind of dive a little deeper into like, what can we do when those negative emotions come up, right? Because, it, you know, in modern society, like today, these negative emotions and these negative thoughts can really limit what we focus on and, and what's really important to us. And, and it can really hinder our happiness, our creativity, um, you know, even things like learning new skills or meeting new people, right? From like anxiety and things like that, right? So I'd kind of like to yeah. dive a little bit deeper into like things that our listeners can do in their day to day when they, 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 they focus or they sense that negative emotion or they feel themselves getting anxious. Like what can they do in their brains to start that turning around? Yeah. Um, so I'll open it up to you, Clark, if you want to start this discussion. Yeah, I'll start it, but I'm also curious if you have any tricks on this yeah. as well, but I'll, I'll start, I'll start here. So the first thing that you would want to do depending on your situation is a, physiological sigh. This is spoken about a ton in the Huberman Lab podcast, and I'll, I guess I'll demonstrate it for listeners. But this this has been something studied in animals and sleep studies. I guess even dogs will do this in their sleep. And it's, it's a way to, uh, it's one of the best ways proven scientifically to like calm yourself down and get out of that fight or flight mode. So it goes like this. It's two inhales through the nose and one long exhale through the mouth. So it goes like this. And really the trick to that is like what you're doing in the first, you first inhale, but this, that other gasp through your nose, that last one to like suck in a little more air, it actually pops open your alveoli, it like pops open your lungs so you can get a little more oxygen in there. Mm. And then breathing out slowly is like the most relaxing thing you can do for your body. And actually what I try to do when I do physiological size while I'm exhaling, try to literally focus on relaxing my entire body. Because you got to remember, like, adrenaline, the fight-or-flight response, it's epinephrine is the name for it when it's in your brain. Adrenaline was in your body. It's affecting your entire being. Because if you do have an alligator in front of you, you want to be sharp-minded. You want your body to be ready to go. But <laughs> So that's the first thing I would do to try to calm those emotions down. But then the second thing uh, to go off the chatter perspective is to zoom out your perspective. Like, like one of the ways to think about this and 
I know this is going to be challenging, but this is, this is what's recommended. And I've, I think I've done this is like, if you have a third person perspective on a negative situation, you don't really think too hard about it. You're like, oh, you, like, let's take losing your job, for example. Mm. You know, like if somebody else loses their, loses their job, you're going to be like, hey, you know what? Even though it di- since it didn't happen to you, you're not in that first person perspective of losing the job. Mm. But seeing someone else, you're like, hey, listen, like this is an opportunity to to grow, to find something new, to find something better. Mm-hmm. You need to give that advice to yourself. And you need, to see, you need to take yourself out of your own head and be like, oh, man, like, how am I going to pay the bills? How's this going to happen? Mm. Like, I have a family. I've got 30 kids to feed. Uh-huh. <laughs> you need to take yourself out of your own first-person perspective to put yourself in a third-person perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's why he says, Ethan Cross says, to use your own name. So you say, Clark, it's just your job. You're going to find another job. It's going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. try and try and put yourself in the third person perspective mm. and whatever the negative situation might be by doing that. It's like, it's like almost like giving, you know, it's like when a kid stubs his toe, it's like kind of like, listen, like this is life. It happens. Like <laughs> you're going to be okay. Sure right. enough. You know, you put the bandaid on it. You, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm curious if you have any tips or tricks on dealing with these anxieties or negative emotions. Well, I think it's funny what you what you were just talking about because like I literally had this thought yesterday where I was was something was on my mind and like I was trying to focus on what what I could do to change it or or like I was kind of having a little bit of anxiety about it, right? And I I had to think almost like outside of my own body in a different perspective of someone else talking to me and giving me advice because like for instance my wife is one of the best people for that like like when i'm having anxiety or i'm worrying about something like she knows exactly like how to calm me down and like where to get my brain to go and like i've had to use that now for myself to think about like almost like what would Aaron say to brian right now right and be like brian like you know like you're gonna be fine like you can't control it like you know everything's gonna be okay just focus on this focus what you can control right so like I think that's such an important piece right there, Claire, because I think if you can kind of take yourself out of that mindset of, of kind of like, like, oh, no, like, what am I going to do, you know, uh, and, and focus on on talking to yourself as if you were a different person and then what you would say to them, you could probably help yourself get yourself out of that state. Um, also, another really important part is I know you kind of talked about uh, physiology a little bit. I think that's probably in my opinion, one of the most important pieces, um, scientifically at least, uh, to be able to get yourself out of maybe having kind of the wrong mind frame and getting more to like kind of like a peaceful mind state or a better mind state um, is really moving your physiology, getting up and doing something, right? Um, If you ever think about it, right, I know for myself, I've noticed this the more and more I've kind of researched and studied into it is if something is bothering me, such as like anxiety or I'm thinking about something or something didn't go right at work or whatever it is, what do you tend to do? You tend to, to usually like kind of sit down, right? You sit down and you, you, you might be a little slumped or you're a little, you know, hanging over or you're laying down in bed or whatever it may be, right? Like something along those lines where you're, you're not really moving and doing stuff, right? Because you're just in your head, right? You're just thinking about these different things and you're thinking about different outcomes, whatever it may be. So I know one of the things that gets released into your body when uh, you eat 
poor food or you don't take care of yourself or you get into these anxiety states is a lot of cortisone actually gets released into your body. Um, and specifically in males, this is very bad because it actually reduces your testosterone levels. And it actually is part of the reason or a piece of the reason why uh, your brain can actually start to have some of these negative thoughts is because of it. Um, now, it's not the end-all reason for it. There are many other brain activities that go on to lead to you having those brain functions and having that anxiety and things like that. But I know that's a big piece of it. So um, studies have shown the more activity that you could do, the more you can actually decrease those levels of cortisone and it can actually help you in the end uh, be able to kind of relieve some of those negative thoughts or that anxiety that you're having in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think movement is so important. Um, yeah, there's some more scientific evidence, and this almost sounds silly, but, like, it's been proven, I guess, in two different ways, but, like, looking at nature. And it's interesting because Ethan, in Ethan Cross's book, he mentions this. He mentions that, like, literally, if you can even just pull up some beautiful nature scenes on your computer and it will have a calming effect... But Huberman also cites a study done at Stanford where I think this one Stanford psychologist or neuroscientist was just walking in the forests um, while she was really stressed. She was just walking the, like, the trees behind Stanford campus, and she was noticed how calming it was. And so she actually developed this therapy where basically a person with... I don't know, like PTSD, for example, will come into her office and what she'll have them do is actually look left and right really slowly. So like the way you even just look at stuff plays a huge factor into uh, your stress levels. And to go even more off that, one way to think about it is like your vision this is something I want to talk about in another podcast is awareness and go into like what awareness is and stuff. But if your awareness is really, really focused on one thing, I mean, that can, that can be, uh, lead to more stress. But I mean, really the thing is like epinephrine in your brain, something that blew my mind when I was studying neuroscience is you need a certain amount of epinephrine in your brain in order to focus on anything. If you have low levels of epinephrine, you're not gonna be able to focus. And that comes from, it's like, you know, you need a little bit of fight or flight in order to like get into, get into an activity. Mm -hmm. But of course the opposite of that would be to widen your focus. And like, if you go out into nature, you looking over at this tree and then you're looking over at that tree or maybe you're on the beach mm -hmm. and you're looking at the entire scene, right. that can also help calm you down. Mm. And to your point, like I think the best thing you can do is take a walk take a walk in nature because mm -hmm. you're moving your body you're working out that stress mm -hmm. like again coming back to this process idea of like it's a process to relax yourself and uh diminish your negativity mm -hmm. and see a better perspective yeah no i think you're absolutely right i uh i, I it happened the other day at work i had a very very stressful day at work right things were uh just a lot going on, and uh, I got to the point where uh, it was, it was kind of around my lunch break, and I said, you know what, for my lunch break today, I'm going to go ahead and, and take my dog for a walk, and I did it, and honestly, it calmed me down a lot. By the time I kind of got back, I was yeah. definitely a little bit of a sweaty mess, but, um, you know, I felt much better, <laughs> like my anxiety kind of felt much lower, and I got back to work in a much yeah. better mind frame, and uh, it, it definitely made the rest of my day go a lot smoother, so you're absolutely right. You know, 
there actually is one thing I'd, I'd love to mention right now. I have a friend who was super, she was super depressed and she bought a dog and it cured her depression. And I'm like, that makes so much sense to me. If you do it right, of course. <laughs> I also know a guy who just got a, do- a dog who is not taking care of it the best. But I like this makes so much sense because to tie this, I, mean, I think it wraps up our whole conversation perfectly. What do you do when you have a dog first thing in the morning? Okay, maybe you got to check your phone, but you you got to go outside and walk that thing, mm-hmm. right? Like it gets you up, it gets into you into an active state of mind, mm-hmm. and it prepares you much better for the rest of the day. Yeah. The other thing is that having a dog, you are syncing up your circadian rhythm to that dog. Mm. So you're probably eating breakfast at the same time every day because the dog is eating breakfast at the same time every day. Probably going to bed around the same time every day because your dog is going to bed around the same time every day. So just that alone is setting your physiology up in the best way you can. I mean, circadian rhythm is so important and I'm so bad at it personally. (laughs) I mess it up all the time on the weekends, but (laughs) it's so important because then your body knows what to do when. Mm. It's like you're training your your stomach and your cells to be like, hey, I know when I'm gonna start digesting food. So it's like, it's like the best way to make your body super efficient. And so what's a good way to do that? Get a dog, feed at the same time every day, go to bed at the same time every day. And then plus having an animal, anyone will tell you, like I saw some study that <laughs> is a silly study, but it's like how many times a day someone's pet makes them smile. Mm. I mean, like right off the bat, it's like your dog does something super goofy. Like it makes you laugh. <laughs> so it's just another good way to, to just like, yeah, stay positive. So yeah. Pets are good. I, I agree. I think uh, I think a lot of that that you said was was really accurate. And I think like a lot of the times, yeah, like pets can be. I think it's you know people love pets, right? I think that's that's a big part of it. Is like you know they make you happy, and you're able to give them like a good home. And and when you could sync up with them, like you know you get into a routine with them, and it, and it kind of makes your day kind of go a little bit smoother, if you will. Um, I do think there are instances where maybe a pet isn't the right decision. So any of our listeners who maybe are feeling a little yeah. down, don't just go buy a dog, <laughs> right? Uh, I've had some right. had some friends who got dogs and they added a lot more work on their play, a lot of stress. So you know they are a responsibility. But um, you know in in the right sense, if if you can take on that responsibility, um, you know they're I, I have two myself and they're they're awesome. Um, but one of the things I want to point out, Clark, that you said kind of one of our last discussions here uh, that I wanted to talk about because you, you brought up a point during there. You said, how many times does someone look at their dog during a day or their pet or whatever it is and smiles? And I want to talk about smiling for a sec because I know that smiling is such a powerful tool to actually feel happier in your day, especially when things are going wrong. And it's a very hard thing to do sometimes, right? Like when you are going through the heat of it, whether it's work or school or a family thing, whatever it is, and things are a little tough or stressful or you're feeling kind of those negative emotions, it's really hard to go out and just start smiling, right? Um, but if you mm-hmm. could kind of start to train your brain and wire your brain in that in that kind of mindset of when things are starting to feel like that to smile, um, it can really actually help uplift some of those emotions that you're having and make you feel a little bit better in the moment. And especially when you smile at other people, 
because not only are you smiling, you're helping yourself out, um, but also on top of that, when people see other people are smiling, it can be very infectious. It can actually make them want to smile. It can make them laugh. Uh, it can make them feel a little bit more happier in their moment, especially when someone's having kind of a down day or a down time in their life. Um, so I think smiling is such a powerful thing, and I just wanted to kind of put that in there as a last discussion and throw it to you to, to see if there's anything else you want to add in about smiling. I think you hit the nail on the head with it. I mean, it's, it's, I think what's tough about it though, is that while it is like one of the best things you can do, I feel like it can be hard to like, I don't know, force, like, I think there's science that shows that forcing a smile will actually help. And so we should definitely do that. But I also think about like, if you were to go to social media to look at memes, I don't think that's like the healthiest way to do that. Mm -hmm. And part of it too is like, I don't know. There's a, uh, you need some sort of novelty, but I think that, I think honestly though, like, I, I, I guess my, I guess my issue with the social media approach or even just like throwing on a comedy on your TV, like those can, I guess those can work. Maybe they work for some people, but something you said about the social aspect of it, like talking to a friend mm -hmm. and your friend makes a joke, that'll instantly help you get out of the headspace and start moving you towards like a, a process of being happier or getting out of a negative space right so i agree definitely agree with you there um yeah definitely agree with you there yeah yeah i think at the end of the day we're, we're we're social beings right like we we are very very much social beings that like to interact with others and when we're isolated it can it can lead to some negative things some negative thoughts anxiety things like that so i think that's a that's a really great last point there clerk all right. Well, that wraps up our first episode of Positivity Unleashed podcast. Uh, we really, really want to thank everyone for listening today. Um, we were super excited to finally record our first episode and get it out there. Um, Clark, I'll throw it to you if you have any last minute remarks before we head out here. No last minute remarks. Uh, super excited to keep this going and I'm looking forward to future topics and getting more into positivity, awareness, where society is at, all of these good things. So if you're looking for more content like this, you know, keep following us and uh, we're excited to keep doing it. Awesome. You guys can catch us on our Instagram, our Facebook, and our website. You could view any of those and we'll be posting our episodes uh, to them so that you can go find them easily on Spotify. Um, and we will be posting every Monday. So we will catch you the following Monday for our next episode. And remember, keep on smiling. Bye.